Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Welcome back. This is Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe back with you. Fantasy baseball season is now starting to come into focus. And Joe and I touch on it all as hour number two starts now. Fantasy Sports Today. Welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizzapia, with you here on the show as we got you for the next hour. And guess who takes over after that? It is Full Time Fantasy. And Dr. Roto, Sean Guastamacchia, is producing this show. Make sure you hit me up on Twitter at Craig Mish at Joe Pizzapia17. As we mentioned earlier on the show, big announcement over on Sports Grid. You can catch it. Scott Farrell joining us for his new show every single day in the afternoon on Sports Grid TV as well as here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. A very big, monumental day as we dive even more into the uh, sports talk and sports handicapping talk with Scott, who's going to be joining us, and also uh, in-game live in the afternoons and in the evenings. So a very, very big day for us here, and wanted to make sure that I mentioned that as well. Catch the press release over on sportsgrid.com. All right, uh, in baseball news, Joe, I had a little, a little tidbit yesterday that we can talk about here at the beginning. I know we touched on him a little bit yesterday, so I dove a little bit deeper. So Yasiel Puig, Joe, who is still a free agent and is sitting out there, is looking for what I believe is too much money, about $14, $15 million per season, which is basically above virtually every outfield free agent not named Castellanos or Ozuna. And now it does sort of add up as to why he hasn't received a contract, because while Yasiel Puig has been a good player over the last few years, you could certainly make the case that you'd rather have Avisail Garcia based on his numbers and the younger player for two or even three years. And Garcia got two years and 20 million. Uh, Puig's, Puig's ask is 14, 15 million. And maybe he would get that on a, on a one year deal, but I don't know. I don't think so. Based on just, you take away the name and you look at the stats and you look at his war and he's not that player. He's not a $14 million player. And that would be my concern is that he does beat to a different drum. And I would wonder if he doesn't get the kind of money that he's looking for, could he be one of those guys that we get to March, we get to April, and Puig is having fun in Japan somewhere, you know, just hanging out or hanging out in South Florida, not playing and being adamant about getting his money. That's why I have some pause with him going into the year. Now, he changed agents a couple of years ago as I was kind of researching a little bit about Puig. Uh, he was with the Beverly Hills Sports Council now, uh, Dan Horowitz and Cesar Suarez. So uh, offhand, do you, I'm not, I know you're familiar with a lot of agents. Do you know who those guys represent offhand or any of some of those players, because that would, I guess, kind of give us an indication if just that that ask might actually be something reasonable, like these guys could pull off an ask like that. Uh, if it's not, then I kind of wonder, you know, sometimes you switch agents because they say, oh, baby, we can get you a lot of money. Come on, don't worry about it. And, you know, next thing you know, you're out there still and it's uh, February 1st. And the next thing you know, it's March 1st. You still have a team. So from an agent perspective, does that have something to do with it, too, since you switched agents? Do you think maybe they've overplayed their hand? Uh, I mean, it's it's more of who the player is because the agent can only give you the advice. Remember, the agent works for the player. So they're working for Puig, 
And having experience knowing how this works in free agency, which is basically the agents can only tell Puig, hey, look, uh, you know, in order to get signed, this number is not going to get done. And then it's Puig's choice to go back to the agent and say, okay, well, look, you know, go, go take less and I'll sign. And I don't know what the intricacies as to what's going on specifically with his situation, but I know that from the Marlins' point of view, uh, there was never even a discussion that went down at all from those numbers. Not even a discussion. And Puig could have played at home here in South Florida. So, again, I have legitimate concerns that most players, again, 95% of the time, Joe, are going to end up coming off their number and signing. It just may not happen until February or March. But with this particular player named Yasiel Puig, nothing would surprise me. So uh, the good news is, is that we still have some time to make the decision. The bad news is, is that what happens if Castiano signs? And what happens if Ozuna signs? And then Puig is still out there, and it would require a desperate team to sign him. But from all the reporting that I have seen and you have seen from the last two months, I mean, is there some glaring hole on some team that Yasiel Puig fits that peg into that hole? If it's not, I mean, Texas, St. Louis, Atlanta, I mean, I, I don't think that any team is going to break the bank for this player. And so I am wor- I am a little bit worried. I am going to have pause, as we talked about yesterday, drafting him. Do I think he signed? Yes. Do I think he plays somewhere opening day? Yes. But there are very few players in the game that I would say that there's even a small chance that they're not on a roster on opening day. And he is definitely one of them. Well, Texas is that one you're just bringing up that's interesting to me because of the new ballpark. You bring up one to make a splash. And if you are going to get tons of new revenue from the new ballpark, because you have it filled every time because, and we all know the first year of a new ballpark, it's filled a lot, a lot more than it normally would because people want to check out the new ballpark. And it's curiosity. So no matter how bad the team is, a lot of people still show up to the ballpark because they're like, oh, let's go see the new ballpark. It's fun, whatever. Of course. Yeah. So I think Texas can justify that salary and say, right, all right, but what, you know what? what happens if Texas signs uh, Castellanos or Rosuna, which is very possible. Well, I mean, not not saying that they shouldn't. I'm just saying, let's say Cassianos doesn't want to go play there. Let's say he wants to go back to Chicago because he liked it there because he liked okay, the field. So you, so you put so you put him in with the Cubs. That's fine. That's reasonable. I think Puig is. This well, what is if Ozuna? Then what if Ozuna signs with Texas? Ozuna. Well, then then he's out. But I mean, Ozuna is a tough one for me because Ozuna has a you know from a statistical profile thing a lot of good and a lot of bad. Not that Puig is a perfect player. But I feel like Puig is a little bit more of a dependable one. He might not have the upside that Ozuna has, but I feel like he's a player where his floor on a monthly basis. <laughs> when you look at when you look at the Ozuna game logs or the month to months, and you start doing the deep dive on the splits on Ozuna, it gets a little wonky. Whereas Puig is pretty much Puig. Puig has you know every baseball player has streaks, but Puig has less of them than Ozuna and less of a of a swing from being great to being what what happened to him and i think that's the thing when you watch it was uh the difference between how would you say also because we you know we talk about fancy a lot here from a real baseball perspective do you put those two anything close in the same fielding category i think that that puig at this point has a better arm i would agree with that 100 right right now ozuna doesn't you know he had a lot of trouble last year with that so i mean i think because i mean we like to think about all the offense but major league baseball is probably the the better Puig is probably the the better defender ozuna has had a season that puig has never had and i think that that's probably what draws people to ozuna um there there's some there is risk with ozuna too i mean he's a different kind of cat also i'm not i'm not gonna say that as well uh i personally would rather have ozuna than puig um I think that there is there's more possibly there. I think you know exactly who Puig is. That is fair too. But what draws me to Azuna is I've seen things from him in the past that I've really never seen from Puig, and albeit uh, one or two years from Ozuna. But again, 
you know, I'll, I'll play out a scenario again here that happens, and then you'd have to wonder. And and again, it, look, I didn't have Donaldson go to Minnesota. Nobody had that. So, you know, we don't know. It's still free agency. But playing this scenario out is if Ozuna signs with Texas, which has to be a possibility. He could be DH there, too. If Ozuna plays in Texas and Castellanos goes back to the Cardinals, I don't think Puig signs. I don't think Puig is a Cardinal. I don't see a fit there. Where's the fit? Where, where's that desperate team that brings Puig in and, and pays him what he wants? I mean, Cleveland is the only spot probably that would take him back, and, and Cleveland <laughs> hasn't spent a cent. Like, yeah, I don't and Cleveland. they're the same age, too. They're both 29. So, you know, it's it's real close. And I think one of these guys is going to get left <laughs> holding back. And you know what? It might be Puig if he's asking for too much. You might be right there. I'm just, I'm, I'm just, he's no player. He's got some extracurricular issues. No, of I think course. All agree, Puig is not, I, I'm not saying, listen, I, I don't draft now, but if, but if I was, and I was giving the proper advice, my advice to be would be is that wherever your ADP is for Puig in your mind, mm-hmm. bump it, bump it down, bump it down. Don't, well, I think don't, he won the 12th round in the draft you showed me yesterday. We were talking about at the no, end he went a lot earlier than that. Was it ninth uh, or 12th? Uh, I thought he was in. I thought I saw her. I saw earlier, wherever it is, bump him down. I would. Okay. I, I don't think it's worth the risk at this point. And, and I want to be clear. I believe Puig will be in a uniform opening day. There's a very overwhelming opinion of mine that believes that this is going to happen. It's going to get done, and this conversation is going to be for naught. All right, we'll take a quick timeout on Fantasy Sports Today, and we'll be back right after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today. And I like football. And I'm going to keep doing them both because they make me feel good. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. A lot of cheating, a lot of buzzing, a lot of interesting conversation for sure. Does it affect fantasy? No. So over the course of this two-hour program, we'll hit on all of the stories in reality, but hit on the fantasy aspect as well. We talked about yesterday some players who... Again, in the second half of the season, and it definitely makes some sense, if you're a very big football fan and you get into July and August and you pivot away from your fantasy baseball league, you may have not known that some of these things happen in the second half of the season. The other interesting dynamic that is certainly going to change is that in general, the months of April and September are really the hardest to quantify in terms of both reality and fantasy. And that's going to change this year because September baseball is only going to allow uh, you know, a couple extra additional players as opposed to just having a... Uh, September baseball of 40 guys on your team. That's done. It's over. They're trying to make September more relevant. But for the purposes of the past, September was always a really tough month to identify. Players would come up, have great Septembers, then you'd never hear from them again in reality. We hit on that yesterday with hitters. Let's touch on some pitchers, Joe. And so last year, uh, amongst all these other all-stars that I've mentioned on my Tout Wars team, I did have Jack Flaherty too. You know, like I had that guy also. (laughs) What the hell's wrong with you? I I had a great mush. 
I got, I got, a, I got. A, I mean, how in the world did I finish so poorly in this league and not win? I don't know. I don't know. I, that, that's that. I guess that's my real question. What was the category? Did you punt something? Did like is someone squeezing the numbers here on you? Did you lose? Like, I'm starting to worry if there's a fix in there. Was somebody banging a trash can and getting more points than you, or something cheating? Like, what happened? I, okay, well, I mean, let's we we could take a look at it. I'm here. just well, I don't I don't think I want to get the no, head why, right why, now, why, listen, like, we, You keep bringing we, up these players on this one team. You know what it is? You, you know understand. what I think? You know what I think it was? I think yeah. that my I I was playing too often with an incomplete roster. Oh, not, so you not, just not lost an ineligible, volume. not an yes, that's what it was. Not an ineligible roster because I always had players playing. I didn't have enough guys playing every day. So this unbelievable team that I drafted it got with marginalized a, with Acuna. Mm-hmm. And real Muto and Flaherty and McNeil Flaherty, some guy named DeGrom. <laughs> so you, you marginalize the good work they did because you had incompletes. That, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. And my, and, and I'm looking at it now cause I just pulled it up since we're, we're, we're discussing it. I was very great in whip. I was good in ERA. I was very good in strikeouts. I was not great in wins. But all of my uh, offensive categories were horrible because I did not get enough. And so, uh, in, so, and, and so instead of being able to start guys, I think I illustrated this with you before, my corner guys were uh, Aguilar and Shaw. Those were the guys that I drafted. Right, so, and you got so zero. I got so zero that from that. So looking at here again in, in the overall standings of this, uh, I was last in home runs with a, a dead last with 163. The the leader had 335 home runs and I had 163. And and so now that I think about it, even if Aguilar and Shaw both gave me an extra 10 home runs apiece, it would have pushed me up in the standings pretty significantly. I would have been I would have finished probably fifth overall, mm-hmm. but I would I still would not have won this league. Like, well, I yeah, was, the problem is you can't fall behind in power. That's you just cannot. And that was that's the opening missive in the Black Book this year, the 2020 Outlook. You cannot fall behind in power, whether it be pitcher strikeouts or hitter power. You just can't. So, well, let's get some of these uh, these pitchers here that finished strong. Everybody says Jack Flaherty had a great finish to the season. How great was it? This is how great it was. It was last 15 starts, seven and two with a point nine one ERA. And over that span, uh, a guy had 124 strikeouts and just 23 walks over 99 innings. So when you have a point seven one whip and a point nine one ERA, those are not sustainable. But you want to talk about a guy who looks like he could be that next ace the way a couple of years ago we talked about Garrett Cole and we talked about DeGrom and talked about some of these guys ready to take that next step. I think Flaherty's ready to take that next step. Some people don't want to buy into the great second half. I'm all in, Craig Misher. You? Yeah, I picked him to win the Cy Young last year. So, um, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm never getting him at the price that I got last year. I think I got Ooh. him for like 20 bucks. Did I mention I had him a million? <laughs> you once or twice. Nobody cares that much about your fantasy team. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> of course I'm all in on this guy. I love this picture, but, but yeah, no, the price is now $30 on him in the NL and who even knows what in a mixed league in an auction. So, all right. Probably one of the guys people don't realize was just good was Lance Lynn. Now I realized it only because really I, I didn't know any shares in season long, but in DFS, following the trends. And this is why DFS is helpful too, because it really brings to light some of these guys who have great runs. Second half for Lance Lynn, 338 ERA over his last 15 starts, 123 strikeouts, 33 walks over 93 innings. Lance Lynn became the pitcher. I feel like that everybody always wanted him to become last year in of all places, Texas and of all places, the American league after arm surgery. So I'm not sure how it all came together, but it has. And now that he doesn't have to be the number one, I like him equally going into this year. And I think it's repeatable. How do you feel about him now that Kluber kind of bumps him down from the one to the two spot in the rotation? 
Yeah, I uh, I like Lynn too. Yeah, there's a lot of predictability here. There's a lot of innings here, and I, I wouldn't count on the strikeouts being the same. That seems like a little bit high for where his career numbers are. But this guy is a is a monster. He just doesn't get hurt. He just goes out there, throws seven innings, throws eight innings. He's put weight on. He's taken weight off. He's put weight back on. I like Lance Lynn. No problem. No issue whatsoever with him. I would love to know what that park is going to play like, but that's going to be very unpredictable. We're not. Yeah, play. I think you got to take the talent. Still got 15 road stars. So you got to just try. You uh, Darvish. We were talking about his great second half, but just because he can again, 118 strikeouts, seven walks over his last 13 starts, seven. Okay. Uh, moving on, Patrick Corbin. Yeah, I'm uh, out on you, Darvish. By the way, that you're one. out on you, Darvish. I'm, I'm in I'm on the it. right price. I'm, 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 I'm cautiously in. But it's got to be the right price. I'm not going to overpay for you, Darvish. I'm not going to let him be my number one. I think if you let him be your number one, you're asking for trouble. But if you can get him as your two, I think you roll with that if you have a great offense. Patrick Corbin, you know, it's funny. You look at the second half numbers between him and Strasburg. They're nearly identical uh, for the most part. So Patrick Corbin's one of these guys that I always like in Roto to go with a, a staff of 1As rather than pay for the pitching in the first round like you see some people do in that draft yesterday, which I'm sure we'll get to more next week. Mm-hmm. I, I look at this and I say, give me a staff of Patrick Corbin and Luis Castillo and I'll start that way. Give me that kind of a staff. And you look at Corbin, seven and two, 109 Ks, uh, 1.27 whip. The whip was a little bit higher than you would have wanted. But I mean, Corbin has been as good as advertised. And in an era where you need strikeouts, a guy went over 200 strikeouts last year. So Corbin, I think, does not get enough love. And I'm actually OK with pairing him with somebody else in that same ilk in that low end number one group and mitigating some of that pitching risk by taking a Verlander or a Cole one and then not taking another pitcher for five rounds. I'd rather have Corbin plus back to back and build a rotation that way. How do you feel about two one A's as opposed to the clear cut top five overall ace on your roster? Yeah, p- Perfectly fine with Patrick Corbin. And and I think that you illustrated a, a pretty good strategy if you don't get the top guys. But again, I have no issue with taking the top guys too. You can't go wrong with Cole DeGrom. Uh, well, but you yeah. can because you fall behind in power. But those elite power guys are gone the first few rounds. If you double up on pitching, you're you need some of those guys to really carry you offensively in the back, you know, in those rounds, three, four, five, that's, that's asking something. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a successful strategy for everyone. Um, But again, uh, I'm fine with Corbin. Totally good. Totally good with him going into the year. All right. Another guy too, that. Yeah. This, this was stunning. Eduardo Rodriguez. I I missed out on this um, somehow in in August. This is what I do. I drink and I know things. So Eduardo Rodriguez, two, nine, five ERA was 10 and two hundred innings. Struck out 107 guys, walk 47, off, excuse me, walk 43. Right. So he's always going to be a guy that's going to walk a few more guys, but he's also a guy that's hard to square up. He gave up 89 hits in 100 innings. So he's not the easiest to square up. He's not given a hit per nine. So Eduardo Rodriguez is starting to figure it out as a pitcher. He's been a thrower two years ago, started to figure it out when he came back from injury. Year over year had almost the identical you know, uh, peripheral numbers. And I think this is a guy that after 200 innings last season, you can really look at how many guys can you depend on to make every start. I don't know if we're ready. We can depend on him, but man, 200 innings means something to me, especially in this day and age in baseball. So Eduardo Rodriguez is a guy that I'm going to have a lot of shares of this year. Yeah, he had a great second half of the season. I don't know that this is repeatable. I kind of have to see where the Red Sox are going to be at too. But um, look, 10 wins you can't ever quantify. And and he, he did throw more innings than some of these other guys on the list, which is interesting, too, which means he got deeper yeah. into the game. Yep. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, he's still intriguing. a good offense. Still is intriguing to me for now. Team. Yeah, for, for now. For now. For now. For now. For now. <laughs> and last but not least, Sonny Gray. How good was Sonny Gray? I had zero shares because I was terrified, even though it was cheap. It's not going to be cheap this year. Last year in the second half, 14 starts, 85 innings. Get this, Craig. Just 48 hits. What? 0.98 whip. Uh, the guy had 102 strikeouts over those 85. Five innings. Sonny Gray reinvented himself 
And I guess we have to buy in now. I mean, I, I can't find I cannot find in the profile statistically of Sunday Gray last year anything to say, nope, it's all going to fall apart. It's just, a, I guess, a matter of letting the guy throw the pitch he wants to throw at the time he wants to throw it, which is something that the Yankees just refuse to let him do. Yeah, this he he had he kind of looked like the Sonny Gray of old in this one. So Better. I got so I got to say, NL team, pretty good shot. I'd be back in on Sonny Gray for sure. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes on Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Put your money where your mouth is and take a shot by opening up a sports wagering account with FanDuel, New Jersey's largest sports book. Go to FanDuel.com slash grid where you'll receive a free bet of up to $500. That's a free bet of up to $500 when you open up a sports wagering account at FanDuel.com slash grid. Point spreads, game totals, props, parlays, in-game wagering, college and pro football. You're in control. Go to FanDuel.com slash grid. Open your new account and claim your free wager of up to $500 today. See website for details. You have to be in New Jersey to take advantage of this offer and be 21 years or older. If you uh, are in uh, New Jersey, you can play. And also, if for some reason you have a gambling problem, just call 1-800-GAMBLER. They will help you out. We uh, spent 10 minutes yesterday. As we've gone oh, through some of these oh, win totals, God, on the did Giants. we ever? I have to recover from that. Jeez, I mean, ten minutes on the San Francisco Giants, Craig. I wow, wow. We should just play. We, we should play it back today. <laughs> Let let's let's move on to the Seattle Mariners, and uh, we'll we'll cross check these with points bet. By the way, because points bets numbers are up, and Caesars numbers are up too. So as we go through these, I'll break them down. But the Mariners over at points bet. You have to be in New Jersey to do this one. It's 66 and a half. Uh, Caesars has them at 67 and a half. Boy, there's one team that we have not talked about a lot over the last month, which is surprising because DePoto's always making moves. But Seattle is, is not in a win mode, that's for sure. But this number is super low, really low, Joe, here. Like, this is... It's tempting, of course, to go under on this team because they play in a division where everybody else is trying, but the number is 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 uh, is, is very low as well. Uh, what do you make of the Mariners this year? I think you stay away from this number. Uh, I, I do. I mean, this is kind of spot on what they did last year, and they were bad last year. So, I mean, 68 wins last year, so now you're telling me they're 66 and a half, and that sounds about right. I, they're probably two games worse or maybe three, but... It's very difficult. The, you know, Seattle is is a very strange roster too, because they have a situation here where, like, they they signed Evan White, uh, the young kid, to uh, an extension out of the gate. This is another one of those. It's of all the ones that people have talked about, no one seems to have talked about this one. 
And it would allude to him starting the year there at first base and giving this extension. And let's see what the kid is. And you can see the youth movement here. Now, they do have pieces to move like Mitch Hanniger. That could be an interesting guy you draft and then ends up on a different team. hanniger has got a ton of talent. Problem is health. It's always been health with him. Yep. Um, you know, Kyle Seeger, which is supposed to be that's ironic because he should be in the prime of his career, has had a really bad stretch over the last two years. And some of those splits against lefties have been terrible. And then, you know, you factor in the, you know, Kyle Seeger was once upon a time, one of these guys, Craig, that you could say, oh, yeah. well, you know, I'll just take Kyle Seeger and I know I'm going to get my 25, 85 and whatever it is, I'll take it. But now it's, it's becoming a question mark. I'll tell you what, from a fantasy perspective, I know he's hitting in the nine hole and that's the only issue I have is the hitting in the nine hole. But still, I think D Gordon's price is at all time low. I think D Gordon's going to play. I think D Gordon's going to steal bases. And if you're looking for steals and Roto, I'm hard pressed not to like the price of D Gordon for what he's going to give you. That I think that's the one guy there. The problem is the pitching too. You look at this rotation: Marco Gonzalez, Kikuchi was terrible. Justice Sheffield, Kendall Graveman, Kendall Graveman still kicking around after all these years. Look yeah. at that. It, it, look, it's not a good team, but it's a young team. Shed Long, by the way, is going to play at second base too. I would not dismiss him, but. Evan White at first, rookie. Crawford, for all intents and purposes, more or less a rookie. Shedlong, kind of a rookie. Kyle Lewis at left, if he makes the opening day roster and starts every day, a rookie there too. Um, and I know they have some other outfielders that they like that are younger as well, Fraley being one of them. Uh, Evan White, by the way, is is a great defender. Um, kind of like a, like the best case scenario for Evan White would be Belt. Like That's the best case scenario for him. He's more of a of an average guy than a power guy. Um, so, yeah, and the pitching is not great either. I mean, I would have to lean toward the under. I could not go over on this team. But you get to this point, you have a good April, you have a good September, and then here you are with 68 wins. And so I agree. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably pass this one. But uh, interesting for a conversation point of view. That's uh, that's for sure. Well, look, All right. whenever you have bad teams, you have fantasy value, too, which is no, there'll be consider. value here for sure. No doubt yeah. there'll be value here because these guys are going to get stats. But I mean, it's you just have to really understand the upside here is very, very. Who do you, who do you have as closer here for this for this team? McGill uh, roster resource has Matt McGill right now. Yeah. which I guess is who you're going to go with, but Boy, they, they really do not late. have a, yeah, they don't no, have a, gr- a great, they, they signed don't. Carl Edwards jr. Maybe that's a possibility. Okay. Yeah. Uh, from a boring team in Seattle to an exciting team in St. Louis, uh, their total on points bet two weeks ago opened up at 88 and a half. And right now Caesars has that exact same number. So that's where the Cardinals are at 88 and a half. I don't see a lot of deviation coming from there. We illustrated how good, Jack Flaherty is. I think that the Cardinals in particular uh, are going into a season where where you look at their starting pitching and you don't see three studs or four studs like you normally do. Like, I mean, we would say, oh, Carlos Martinez and Alex Reyes and Adam Wainwright and Michaelis and Hudson. But you kind of look at them now, walk up and you kind of look at them now and say, "Ah, I mean, the pitching's probably okay, but it's not as stellar as it has been in the past. Uh, they, They did win the division last year. They had a, da- a severely down year from Matt Carpenter from what he was a couple of years ago. So there's certainly a chance for a rebound there. Goldschmidt, I don't know what happened to this guy in August and September. He completely fell apart. So there is some question as to whether or not he can rebound or is this just who he is? We know that what their outfield looks like. They have a kid in Carlson who could come up and be a star for them. Edmund turned out to be a star for them last year, too. This is another number that I feel is very close to where they're going to be. 
It is. I would go over because it's funny. Even though you talk about those names like Martinez and Alex Reyes and Wainwright, you, you, they always sound good every year and they're really never that productive. Let's be honest. The last three years, have any of those guys really had great seasons? No, not really. A lot of guys have missed significant time too. I mean, Reyes was barely around. So, uh, you know, Kim is an interesting guy in this rotation too, if he should crack it to see what he's got. Uh, lefty that came over from the Korean league. So Mm -hmm. that could be one of those guys that steps into that void. And a lot of people are saying who, and I'm saying Kwang Young Kim. So go, you know, find out a little bit more about him, but that's a guy that you could look at and might be able to take a step forward here. Hudson. I know the peripheral numbers mean there's going to be regression this year. So I feel like with the Cardinals, you look at the rest of this division and I don't know where the Cubs are at. They are a team that's kind of in a weird place. Uh, We know Pittsburgh's terrible. I, Milwaukee's rotation isn't any better <laughs> than the Cardinals. So I kind of feel like they go over and I think they went, they won 91 last year. I think they went 90 or so this year. And it, it's a tough one. Cause you look at that 88 and you go, Oh man, that's really high. I don't know if you only go under that. I don't think so. I think they're still the class of this division. And I think from an offensive standpoint, if they add some of these, if Carlson comes up and becomes a thing, or if they do make a move for an Arenado, which seems unlikely, but if that happens, that is a huge swing and a huge help to your pitching staff when you add a defensive player of that caliber. So they're going to be a team that hits, plays defense, and pitches enough to get by. And who knows? Maybe Carlos Martinez goes back into that rotation and becomes a thing as a starter. I personally think they should leave him right where he is. That's where I would leave him. <laughs> would you move him back into that rotation even though he wants to? I mean, yeah, maybe you get a Ponce de Leon. I don't know. It's, it's yeah, kind he's of starting. He's starting for them. That I know for sure. Um, you know, you yeah. got, Genesis Cabrera made a bunch of starts last year. Ponce de Leon, Alex Reyes. If Alex Reyes can never harness the health and the arm of that, if you can make that kid something, whether it be a closer or whether it be a rotation guy, that could be something that really separates the Cardinals. But right now, I think it's all more questions than answers here. Yeah, we've said that every year. It's not I, fair. And that's why I don't want to say it anymore. Yeah, he's, I think he's throwing starting next week, if, if I'm not mistaken. I'm close to his situation as well as Carlos Martinez's. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would lean a little toward the over just based on the division and the other circle is, of course, Matt Carpenter, because if if he gives you 20 percent more than what he gave you last year, that's a huge improvement. And I would say the same thing with Goldschmidt. I think we've seen their worst. I've seen we, we've seen Carpenter and Goldschmidt's worst. Well, Goldschmidt's and- another one of these classic guys like Harper last year. We were talking about just yesterday. The beginning Machado, the beginning of these mega contracts, the guys tend to press out of the gate a little bit. And it's understandable. It's a new place. It's a new environment. And by the time you get into the season, when you turn the page into June, everybody kind of settles out. And Goldschmidt was the same thing. All right, let's do the Tampa Bay Rays. 91 and a half is their total there on points bet. And let's see what Caesars put them at. Caesars has them at 90. So you're getting a little bit of value uh, there. Uh, I, I would never go against Tampa Bay, so I would blindly bet the over with the Rays. And it, it, going through their roster and looking at their pieces is not doing this justice. Like you, you know that they're going to do wacky things and use players in wacky spots. And um, you know the, the division is Toronto that much better? I don't know. Is Boston better or worse? Hard to say. Probably about the same. Yankees are better. Orioles are the same or worse. Uh, I am going to bet over on Tampa Bay 90. 90 uh, I'll take the 90 from Caesars. Do you want to guess how many they won last year? I don't know if you know off the top over of your head. Over 90. You might, but they did, 96. Yeah. <laughs> they won 96 I'm games going right back year. on it. Yep. 
I, I have to agree. I, I, you look at it, you go, no way. And yet they, they figure it out. A lot of this has to do with Charlie Morton staying healthy. This is the last year of Charlie Morton's contract. He's retiring supposedly after this year. Yeah. The two year deal last year was terrific. Him and Snell at the top of this rotation has been great. And look, they didn't have glass now last year for a good chunk of the season. They still won 96 games. So glass now is not the straw that stirs this drink. It's Charlie Morton. As far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And, and even if not, Charlie, who I like very much and has come on my show many times, they they have so they just figure it out, you know, like they'll use an opener and the Arboro will throw five innings. It's it, it's hard. And they're to also talk getting about. Honeywell back from injury too this year, right? Maybe. After his yeah. Tommy John it, stuff. It, 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 and for fantasy, it's a disaster. Like it's that's just that's just who the Rays are. If you take Rays, you better be playing in a daily league where you can move guys in and out. That's the, well, they're that's ideal the in a daily league. If you're if you're someone willing to manage your way through, oh it, yeah, for sure, they're yeah. ideal because you just as long as you stay on it, you can maximize. We'll see what no McKay doubt. is, and if Honeywell can come back, I mean, I'm, I'm always concerned how many innings you're going to get at the major league level for him. Year one when he comes back might not be great, but look, the Rays, like you said, they just always find a way. So you have they to go the over. Yeah. Yeah, they always find a way, no doubt. All right, we'll come back and wrap it up with uh, some historical look at the conference championship games in the NFL. You're listening to Fantasy Sports Today. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia here with you. And Dr. Rhoda is coming up in just a few minutes. He'll hit on some football, perhaps his FSTA draft. Can't look, can't wait, can't wait to really do some mock drafts and dive more into some fantasy discussion. But I think, Joe, at this point, this is really our last chance to have two NFL games in a weekend. We've got the conference championship games coming up this week. And last week was a lot of fun. We had four games and one huge surprise in a game. And right, you know, after we got through with that, that uh, 49ers blowout that game was a disaster minnesota didn't even show up for that one the rest of the games were kind of competitive they were fun to watch they were fun to watch more than anything yeah <laughs> I, 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 i'm hopeful you, i'm hopeful you can we get competitive that. i think it was more just they were fun it was fun to watch baltimore kind of lose itself it was fun to watch the titans just continue to roll it was fun to watch the texans all of a sudden well, put up 24 and then yeah no, that, that, was, that was like watching madden on beginner where you're just watching your friends play and they're just like throwing passes everywhere yeah no that game was amazing i mean 24 nothing they go up and and lose 51 to what was it 31 
Wow. Yeah. And then and then crazy. the last game, oh, it's over, it's over. Russell Wilson brings them back and becomes close to yeah, great games this week, uh, last weekend. And so uh, with these games, the AFC and NFC championship game, uh, I, you know, getting older, I, I preferred the old schedule with the NFC championship, the two o'clock, uh, what was it? Two o'clock, five o'clock starts. Is that what it was? Is that, is that what it is now this year? Maybe I, should I don't know. Great. I mean, it's been three and six thirty for uh, at least a decade, if not more, you might be right. It might've been back in the day at two o'clock start, but man, I, I don't remember an NFC championship game where it wasn't a three o'clock hour. And then the evening game, that, that's a very long time. I would say more than a decade, even. Could be. I think the the year they changed it was uh, the year Favre played for Minnesota. So that's that was the the year. I don't know when that was. That would have been two thousand and seven, eight, somewhere around there. Right. Okay. So about a decade. I liked it earlier. I hate the fact that it's going or maybe to like nine, two thousand nine, yeah. maybe. So yeah, exactly right. So ten years. Uh, okay. So, but but historically speaking, it, it's been very hit or miss in AFC and NFC championship games, extremely hit or miss. Sometimes we get these great weekends. Sometimes it's just a complete debacle. What stands out for you, historically speaking, for uh, for some of these championship games? Well, I thought last year's AFC championship game between the Patriots and Chiefs was an incredibly entertaining game. Um, some of the great battles between Brady and Manning come to mind. The time where, you know, they went into Denver and, and Peyton beat them. And uh, the time where the Colts, that that one time they actually were able to beat the Patriots. Um, but there's been some really good ones over time. The drive is another big one too. Uh, you know, with Denver and Cleveland back in it. When I was, I, I was as a kid, I remember 1986 is true story here. I remember sitting in Brooklyn as a kid. Again, I'm pretty much the only person in my house who really cared about football and I'm watching that and I'm watching John Elway. And now I think it was that first time where I really kind of just, got starstruck by a single player. And I was, as a kid, I was a huge John Elway fan. I became a Broncos fan, but I was just a, I just loved John Elway. I just thought he was cool. And I thought that what he did there was incredible. Um, you know, that one with the Seattle and San Francisco was a great one too. That comes to mind. That one he talked about with Favre with the bounty gate turns out at the back end of that one, you know, Cleveland and Denver had a couple, they had more than one, but whenever I think of NFC championship games or AFC championship games, I think of those on the NFC side. Is it always the catch? Like, is that what comes in first for you? Or are there other NFC ones that pop in? Yeah, that 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 was one. Um, the, the reason why I remembered and I mentioned Brett Favre was that game where it was an overtime game. And I think it was the first overtime NFC championship game in a right. long time uh, when Favre was just fantastic and got into overtime and then threw a pick. And then mm-hmm. the game ended, and I th- and I don't remember where I was watching that game. Do you remember the '95 Pittsburgh versus Indianapolis one? That was a fun one too. That it was the it was like that Greg Lloyd Steelers age. I want to say you know it was like it was the a Harbaugh. Uh, oh, was that Colts. was that what Harbaugh threw the pass at the end that of the was game? The, the pass at the end of the game. Yeah, that was a great yeah, moment there one. too. That was one that really kind of pops to mind. There, you know, it's funny. The catch is like an iconic moment, but. It was before my time. I don't really remember. Was that a great game or is that yeah. just a great moment in the game? No, it was. I think it was the, I think it was a high scoring game. I know it was the beginning of, okay, this is the well, 49ers yeah, becoming a thing. 28-27. Yeah, no, that was a great game. Yeah, because, you know, it's it's like the beginning. You can also earmark the beginnings of some of those those dynasties, too, where you, where you get those. And that's um, that's something for sure. Um, but I thought last year's from a 
I understand, yes, you know, the Patriots won. Ha ha, Joe's happy. But at the same time, that was an incredible game by Mahomes. And I, I was on the edge of my seat as, just watching it going to the overtime. And, you know, it's just, just watching Patrick Mahomes get shut out in the first half and then come out and tie that game up in the second. That was an incredible performance by a kid in his first year in a spot that big. Uh, that was, to me, when you have the great old quarterback and the great young quarterback, that was an iconic championship game moment in my mind and I thought last year's championship games were I'm sure everybody agrees were so much better than the Super Bowl because the Saints game uh was against the Rams was incredibly entertaining too it was the 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 call at the end of the game and that's why I think this year's games are going to be close yeah that's kind of I mean at least one of the two I mean just give me give me one game well typically you get one of the two you either get like you you get great championship games and a terrible Super Bowl or you get so-so, whatever, championship games and, and a great Super Bowl. I don't, I never feel like you get, Last oh, my God, the championship terrible, games. Right? What's that? Last year's Super Bowl was awful for, for, from a, awful. Uh, just a casual yeah. fan standpoint. Yeah. Sure. Unless you love defense and, and chess. <laughs> like I don't think you enjoyed the Super Bowl much last year. It was, what, like 13-6, I think, in the end or something like that was the score. It, it was one touchdown in the whole game. It was just – it was brutal. But – but the couple of years before that, Atlanta and New England, I still think that's the greatest Super Bowl ever played in terms of entertainment game. I know Falcons fans will disagree, but. Boy, how about this? So I, this is something I didn't realize. So the NFC championship game. So the Rams beat the Saints on that play 26-23, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the year before, Eagles beat the Vikings by 31 the year before, Atlanta beats Green Bay by 23. Blowouts. The year before, Panthers beat the Cardinals by 34. Oh, I remember that game. I remember that game. How game was over before it started. Falcons <laughs> beat the Packers by 6. Seahawks over the 49ers by 6. 49ers over the Falcons by 4. Giants over the 49ers by 3. Packers over the Bears by 7. So things have really loosened up over the last few years. And you know game. what it is, is that is that I just it gives you no the track record gives you no indicator as to what could happen this year from reading. Well, this. I, and it shouldn't because these are totally different teams playing each other in totally different circumstances. I never understood why people I get it. Like you look for trends and, and some of the stuff when you're in a season with the trends, like you were very strong about the trends in season. And I think that's that's true because this is to a certain extent what the game is right now. But when people go back like 20 years, well, it's a 20 year trend to this. I'm like, well, what is that? Who cares? Like, that doesn't tell me it's going to happen tomorrow. And, and it, <laughs> you know, every game is 50 50 because there's two teams and one team's going to win. Some teams are better than the other, but I hate to break it to everybody. You have a 50% chance of being right and wrong because there's two outcomes. Yeah, no, that, 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 that's, <laughs> that's definitely part of it. But, you know, clearly last, last week, the divisional round speaks more to the favorites. That was a very interesting stat that you said recently. And I think that really indicates a lot of how important that buy is for those teams that have it. Well, well, remember, but the thing is, it's like, again, we'll go into next year. Well, you and I will be doing the show. The teams will win in the wild card and then they'll be like, ooh, maybe Minnesota will win. You know, it's just it just doesn't happen that way. The 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 most unpredictable weeks, uh, at least non-trendy is this this is it like this is the week where you're just basically like like i think this is gonna happen but no one really 
knows for sure, which is why I'm not emphatic about really, honestly, either side. I think my favorite again is Tennessee, but I mean, could Kansas City win 41 10? And I go, oh, yeah, should have known. Of course, like that's the pop. Packers don't have the personnel to match up with the 49ers. And I understand like, well, they played each other and you can't go, you know, too crazy. Cause that one time they played each other. Sometimes when they played teams plays a second time, things are a lot tighter. Cause they learn, you can learn all you want. You watch football. I watch football. I, I start covering football in June when I start going through and actually <laughs> wrong. I start covering football in April again. And into May is when the black book gets really written and constructed. And will you break down the personnels on rosters and stuff like that? I can tell you right now, just from a personnel standpoint, the way these teams have played and what they have, I just don't think the Green Bay Packers have the personnel to match up. Now, that doesn't mean you can't win a football game because that's what any given Sunday is about. I don't even care about winning. My point is, is that what if you care about covering? That's it. I mean, what I mean, what if San Francisco dominates this game from start to finish and they're up 28 10 with eight minutes left? Right. You're like, oh, yes, told you, told you. Right now it's 28-17 with two minutes left. Now they get the ball back. Now Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers and throws some bomb to make it 28-24 with 40 seconds left. They try the onside kick up. Game over. San Francisco wins 28-24. And you come all, well, they dominated the game. (laughs) But that's why there's just a lot of points. That's my concern here is just this is a lot of points. And um, and and when you're giving this many points in any game, that back door is always open. And that's my honest concern for both. And that's why I mean, I'm an underdog better in general. Don't leave your back door open, by the way, Craig. Thanks. God, thanks for that. Hold on. OK, yeah, it's close. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm an underdog better in general. But yes, but I just I, I feel like the safe. I hate to be safe, too, but the safe thing to do is is honestly and i'll probably end up doing this tonight is i'm just going to take both underdogs and i just i'm going to lose one you know i'm just going to lose one and that's that's I mean, maybe it's tennessee i mean maybe that's the one maybe i'll win both who knows but i think that's going there's no shame in going one and one and i and i think i'm going to have to do that and um i've just been um i think i've only hit one of the last three or four super bowls so hopefully i'll knock that out this year too All right, uh, we got to take a quick time out here on the show. We'll come back and we will hit on the two-minute warning. We have our friend Dr. Roto, who is standing by, ready to talk to you about his trip to Las Vegas for the FSGA draft and everything that he did there. And don't forget, you can catch our show on demand 24 hours, seven days a week on the Fantasy Sports Radio app. That is FNTSY Radio, as well as SportsGrid.com, AudioBoom.com, wherever you listen to your podcasts, live shows are on demand. We deliver that to you. From our programming standpoint, on Monday of next week, Joe and I will be back here from noon to 2 Eastern, and then we're going to start diving a lot more into baseball because we're, we're kind of getting to that point. But make no mistake about it, Super Bowl week, there'll be a heavy dose of props and information and everything that you'll need to get you ready for the big game here where I am in uh, Miami, in South Florida, coming up in a few weeks. We'll be back with the final segment of the show.
DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. AFC-NFC Championship game coming this weekend. Baseball in the forefront with this cheating scandal. Let's see what's on the mind of Joe Pizzapia as he ends the show with the two-minute warning. The two-minute warning. Two minutes, get your sh- together. Is that going to be enough time? Well, it's been a very, very, very long week of the Astros scandal and the fallout. And the Astros are going to have a lot of work to do bringing in a new manager in order to suppress some of what's going on and kind of get everybody refocused on playing baseball. But as an organization, I think the Astros should embrace this. This is how you move on if you're the Astros. Opening day, you know what you do? You give out a mini Astros trash can. Maybe later in the year you give out... Astros whistles. You embrace it. You say, yeah, you know what? We did it. We were wrong. Let's all move on. Let's laugh at ourselves a little bit and continue to play baseball. And I have no doubt that the Astros are going to win 100 games as long as everybody's healthy and on the field and not suspended. But you know what? Let's have a sense of humor about things, too. Let's admit that we're wrong. Let's embrace it. Let's move forward. Everybody would like a little mini Astros trash can. Maybe you could even give them a stick once in a while. You can bang it. How funny would that be of, uh, I don't know, 20,000 people banging trash cans with sticks and getting very excited? It reminds me of the Angels and those stupid clappers they used to have that were super annoying for years and years. Mm -hmm. You could definitely move on from this. Embrace it. Take the heat and realize that there's still 162 games left to play. Yeah, Joe, uh, right there. I thought he was going to bring up the rally monkey. He did not. Thank goodness. Thank All right, that'll do well, it for the show. <laughs> I just did it, actually. Yeah. Thanks uh, for Sean Guastamaki producing. For my co-host, Joe Pizzapia, I'm Craig Mish. Full-time fantasy is next. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the championship games. Joe and I will be back on Monday to break them all down. That'll do it for this Friday. Talk to you Monday at noon. See ya.